You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight, we'll be looking at Star Hunter Redux. Episode 19, Bad Girls. Percy is doing something very, very stupid. She's decided to rig up an automated gun emplacement in the shuttle bay access area. During her installation process, she nearly kills Dante. Being surprisingly up-to-date on the thinking of techno-ethicist, Dante lets Percy know that you can't turn guns over to automated computer control. He tells her to remove it. Immediately. She ignores his instructions to his face. She's also working on trying to retrieve that secret conversation between Lucretia and Dante, which has been deleted, and the backups have been deleted. Rudolfo calls with a new plum assignment. Rich guy who works for a company that has dealings with the orchard wants to travel along with his two daughters on the Transutopian. That's not at all suspicious. Rich guys with tenuous connections to the orchard want to travel on a dump of a spacecraft every day. When their shuttle arrives, Percy is still installing her gun emplacement. Dante asks if she's uninstalling it, and she gives a childish evasive answer that anyone except the dumbest of morons would instantly see through. Hamilton's two daughters, Ayla and Cordula, are about Percy's age, but Percy blows them off when Dante tries to get them to make nice. Shortly after Hamilton is on board, another corrupted message from Rudolfo arrives. Dante asks Percy to decode it, but with her usual charm, she refuses, opting instead to hang with the bitches. Hamilton asks Lucretia to give him a tour of the ship, and he tries to ply his charms on her to get her to open up about her family. She shoots him down, but reports back to Dante that he's definitely trying to get information, probably on behalf of the orchard. Ayla wants to do drugs, but it's no fun alone, and Cordula isn't in the mood. Percy takes her place, and the two of them get even stupider than they already were. The message from Rudalto is retrieved by Caravaggio, and it reads basically like this. Hamilton has some debts, and the debtors have paid me to double-cross him and turn him in. A marshal will be there in four hours to transfer him off the ship. It has taken three hours to decrypt the message. Dante and Lucretia go to arrest Hamilton, but decide to let him stay in his room apparently with an unlocked door. Dante goes to retrieve the daughters and finds Ayla and Percy stoned out of their minds. This puts Dante in a bad mood. Anyway, there's lots of talking in little groups. Hamilton will be killed by his creditors. The orchard will bail him out if he gets that skinny on Lucretia's loyalties and any information she may have. The orchard chat with Hamilton and say, ah, just kill Lucretia and you'll be fine. The marshal arrives. Surprise, he's not really a marshal. He's just there to take Hamilton. Dante won't give him up. Then Hamilton gets a gun from the gun locker, which, despite the lessons of last episode, is still not so much of a gun locker as it is a gun dispensing machine. This surprise causes them to all scatter throughout the ship. The faux marshal kidnaps stoned Percy, thinking she's one of Hamilton's daughters, and demands an exchange. And Dante's fine with that. 
So he takes Hamilton back, but Percy thinks she's fine because of her gun emplacement, which doesn't work. And she nearly gets killed, but Dante kills the so-called Marshal. Now Hamilton pulls a gun on Lucretia to kill her. Then troops from the orchard arrive, and this time Percy's defense system does work, killing them all, and Hamilton is thrown in a cell. And finally, despite Percy's gun emplacement being one of the dumbest ideas ever, instead of facing the consequences for her idiotic actions, it has saved the day, proving its merit. And therefore, now Percy is willing to remove it because that's what passes for logic on Star Hunter Redux. The end. I'm just going to say I have a huge problem with this gun emplacement storyline. This this dominates all my ire about this story. I mean, I mean, put it put it out on the table right to begin with. It's a dumb idea to put the emplacement in there. Percy is absolutely intransigently awful about not taking it out. Dante should have ripped it out himself because it was obvious Percy wasn't doing it. And then what should have happened in any logical storytelling arc would be that the gun emplacement failed in such a way that Percy saw the error of her idiotic ways. But instead, it saves the freaking day, which is horrible. (laughs) Just absolutely horrible uh, structure for this story. And a thousand marks off to the writer of this piece. For that alone. The rest of it, eh, not crazy about it either. But I mean, that part alone just... And the fact that Percy's then like, okay, it saved the day. I'll take it out now. Okay, I've had my say. I was I was, I was, was on a tear. All right. I, <laughs> I was gonna let, right. I was gonna, I'll let you go on the tear um, yeah. without, without, without interrupting you. As a matter of fact... The writer was Annie Ingham. Okay. And see, and um, check here right now and find out what else she wrote in this series. And she wrote peer pressure. Didn't didn't I put peer pressure down as like the worst? Or was that Siren Song? I, I remember. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I seem to recall that uh, you did not enjoy peer pressure. That was peer pressure. Was the one with the the the, the two the mind guys? Control. Oh, that was the mind control and the and the Oedipal complex. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, still, I mean, I just, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, we have a we have a serious conversation to talk about a little bit uh, about what Dante should actually do about Percy. Because he needs to do something about Percy. But it, it is not readily apparent what can be done. I mean, I have some ideas, but, but we can we can get come to that for the, well, the meat of the I was discussion. thinking about um, PIDs, uh, how Percy's did that... internal defense system. Yes. And it occurred to me that uh, it would have been useful um, in some future episodes... And it would have been useful in some past episodes. Oh, I, I, I'm not saying that there isn't a certain amount of logic of these guys having weapons, but I don't. I'm with I'm with Dante on this. You don't turn it over to computer control, and especially considering how easy it is 
for people to screw up Caravaggio, Percy, and others in the course. I mean, there there are good reasons why fully automated weapons are considered a a bad idea. Yeah, at the and, beginning of the episode, we see why there's a um, certainly why is a why is dangerous uh, to to innocent people. Um, but I just thought that there are a few scenes. I was thinking about how it's different some scenes in some past and future and some upcoming episodes of this series would um, have been had the um, intruders walked on to the um, shuttle bay and gotten killed immediately. Yes, or, you know, Dante and Lucretia returning from a mission, getting killed immediately yeah. when it goes wrong. I mean, it's just, it's uh, it's kind of, especially considering the way the tech on this ship works. But what do we think? Poorly. Of, yes, but there's a point in, in dialogue that is worth discussing. Okay. And it is Dante's counter-argument, which is that there is a distinction between internal weapons and external weapons. Yes, I think... I, yes, I think there's a certain amount of... I don't recall him saying that, but I can see what you're saying. I mean, an automatic targeting weapon is, is a thing they apparently have. And I mean, it's a thing we have. Right. I mean, in, in the real world, we have targeted weapons, but you don't have truly autonomous weapons. And Caravaggio is kind of that. Yes. And also it's pointing, you know, at you <laughs> yes. as opposed to out there, uh, out there. Um, it, it's I, I don't I don't think I mean, I don't think there's that's a, a, a jail uh, deal breaker. For the logic there, it's a it was a bad idea to put something like that, an anti personnel weapon in your main traffic area, mm-hmm. and which that is right. That's the that's the way everybody gets on and off the ship, as far as we've seen so far. Yes, it is. And why is Percy doing it now? Is it because of the events of the last episode? Uh, and that and probably some of the previous episodes. Um, just building up it, it, it the felt like the way she said i'm not going to get caught out or something like that like it was a direct knee-jerk reaction to i guess the last episode but then on the other hand this episode seemed to be frankly felt more like it was a follow-on directly to the episode where dante and lucretia finally had their chat because suddenly she's back on that kick again this, yeah. uh, I see your point there. Um, Bad Girls ignores uh, the events of A Twist in Time and Eat Sin. It ignores Supermax. And it goes right back to that string of episodes going starting with um, Goodbye So Long, which is where we learned, where we first encountered the seeds. And all the way through episode 15, Dark and Stormy Night, yes. Remind me, Dark and Stormy Night, that was after uh, Darius got killed, or was that... That was the one in which he got killed. That's the one he got killed. And then the next one was Supermax. Yes. Okay, in the Dark and Stormy Night, was there something that happened that would have made Percy think that guns in the shuttle bay would have been a great idea? No, but I was thinking more about some of the earlier episodes, such as... Frozen, where um, troops invaded the ship. It just it, it that line about I'm not going to get caught. It, it it definitely sounded like she was 
reacting to something specific. And, you know, last time she did get her head clobbered in in the shuttle bay area. In the shuttle bay, yes. Mr. Five kept on um, taking people there, yes, in different universes. But like I say, that and the fact that that she's now going on about how much I hate Lucretia and mm-hmm. and I need to know that conversation, it it really feels like this episode is out of out of place. Which you know, it uh, may I, very I well understand be, why you get that impression. Indeed, in, in episode sixteen, Supermax, she and Lucretia seem to be on friendlier terms. However, I know well enough that this episode does um, start pulling Chekhovian guns off the wall and setting the stage for our three-part finale. For them to shoot themselves with them um, is, is my guess at the point, current point. But yeah, um, <laughs> the Chekhovian gun for Russian roulette, um, which is yeah. what, what this one was. Um, yeah, okay. It just, it, it feels... Yeah, the character development in these episodes just doesn't feel consistent, you know? As, as you say, she, Percy didn't seem to have a burning hatred of Lucretia in Supermax, or for that matter, even in Twist in Time and uh, uh, Eat Sin. And if you go back to the first episode, Lucretia was the only one that was helping her out with combat training and stuff. Right. So they seem to be sort of getting along uh it wasn't until that episode it wasn't until that 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 piece with it ended in dark and stormy night where percy really seemed to take on a utterly irrational oh well there you go uh deep-rooted hatred of lucretia which you know went away uh, in fact it went away so well by the next episode that i just assumed that she was privy to what transpired in that conversation with Dante and Lucretia. Because Dante's made his peace with her now, and Percy seemed to have made her peace with her, so it felt to me like they'd actually, you know, clued her in on it in some way, shape, or form. But apparently not, because now it's a plot point again. Right. Not even much of a plot point, just a thing that she mentions. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. But it is, it is this... I don't know. <laughs> let let's talk about um let, let's talk about the orchard and their machinations. Yeah, um, Gunner a, Biochemical. A, uh, a story is only as good as its villain and uh, I'm going to make a case against the uh, orchard here in in a bit. So, uh those guys are making some stuff and it seems to be largely irrelevant to this story. It just happens to be a, a mechanism. It's a MacGuffin in this one, and uh, this is why. But um, going forward, the next several episodes, it would be much more than a MacGuffin. Well, but I I doubt very much the fact that Hamilton worked for that particular co- company makes any matter at all. I'm I'm going to go out and stake on it. So it could just because. Just because we have a terraforming company that's involved with the orchard, that may be important. But Hamilton could have been anyone with a gambling problem, right? Or whatever his problem is, money. So, I mean, that was that was just like throwing in the name Wayland yutani and then trying to use the name again later. Um, and then go, oh, oh, yeah, those were bad guys all along. It's like, well, I'm, you know, they're all bad guys. Everybody's a bad guy in this show. So... Um, 
you know, this guy has the worst cover story ever. Rich guy wants to travel on the Transutopian. Really? I, I'm at least pleased that Dante and Lucretia obviously were not fooled. Yeah. By that. I mean, for once. <laughs> they, they were not instantly fooled by that, by that notion. And I was also pleased that Lucretia just shot him down. So you got some family? Nope. You know, she, she, they, they were demonstrating a certain amount of not stupid that's not always in evidence uh, in, in their actions on the show. But at the same time, they arrest the guy and don't lock him in his quarters. Um, well, they don't lock him up in the pen. So now we can just keep him in his quarters. Well, you didn't even keep him in his quarters. But, you know, some don't think he... This guy's... Uh, is he... I guess he wasn't intentionally using this to go on the run, is what I'm going to assume from this. He was no. doing what the Orchard asked him to do, which was get on the ship and try to find out information about Lucretia, and, uh, never mind, we don't care, kill her. Um, yes, you understand. While he's on the ship, then the other side decides that they need to collect on his overspending or his whatever that is. Whether it's, I, I didn't quite gather whether that was his company, uh, Gunner Wiggles or whatever it was. Gunner Biochemical. Uh, Gunner Biochemical. All right. Um, Remember, the orchard is involved in all sorts of um, scientific companies. Yeah. No, I, I'm yeah, just, uh, the names don't, don't. It just doesn't have staying power like the orchard. It's okay. Um, However, on regarding Gunner Biochemical, which uh, which would be important going forward in this series, the um, I would say that the distinction between Gunner Biochemical and the Orchard seems to be a distinction without a difference. Well, given that Orchard members sit on the board. Well, that's. Um... Well, that depends. I mean, uh, there are different factions in pa the orchard, so pa you don't Paquette. know which. Paquette sits on the board, uh, and think about that. I I don't think it makes any difference to this episode in in any way. But I mean, they're all kind of nasty. But my point being is that I'm not sure. I never really got the feel for whether or not it was Gunner Biochemical that decided that they were going to kill Hamilton. Or if Hamilton had taken their money and spent it, and his debtors were coming after uh, him. Well, the the answer is if, is is in the episode where you look at behind the gentleman speaking to Hamilton. Did you see the symbol behind him? You mean the blatantly obvious green orchard? The orchard. Yeah, but that's the guy telling him that if you no, there's two people after him. Yeah. Right there's that there's the guy who comes in as the marshal. The and then there's the orchard. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, who I, does the marshal represent? Um, I took him to be from Gunner Biochemical. Yeah, but as I said, this is, could be a distinction without a difference. Um, Hamilton said he was a broker; that he actually worked for Gunner Biochemical, but he had dealings with the orchard as well. But given that the um, orchard and the bio and Gunner Biochemical things seem to be like circles in a Venn diagram. I'm not but sure. Rodolfo I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure it really makes a difference. But he was living beyond his means. Yes. Which would imply that he's taking out a lot of loans so that he can finance his lifestyle, which wouldn't necessarily be from either Gunner 
biochemical or the orchard it was it was just not clear it, it doesn't in a way it doesn't really matter but at the same time it it was unclear i mean it was just a way to put them in double jeopardy so you had two right. separate guys who come in one one for the pids to jam and one for the pids to work um but it just i don't know it, it wasn't wasn't particularly clear um so he doesn't get anywhere. Uh, he does pick up a gun in the gun locker. Uh, that still, I mean, two episodes in a row. People, mm-hmm. come on, you're a you're a freaking bounty hunter ship. Lock your guns up. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially when you have children on board. Yeah. I, I almost don't want to talk about his daughters. Ayla and Cordula. Uh, you know, three Percy's is not not a a good not a good thing. <laughs> three three annoying caricature humanoids just I, I couldn't say anything good about it and their acting was terrible so uh, let's talk about uh, um, Anna Keenan and Kathy Keenan they did look like sisters I'll give them that yes and and I have actually I have their IMDB pages open here on the other computer and for um, Kathy Keenan who played Cordula Cordula is blondie. Yes, she is. Anya was. Um, I might know that. There's a Cordula is blonde and Ayla's brunette. Okay. Um, Kathy Keenan has 49 episodes of Degrassi High School on imdb.com. That is a show that I have never seen. <laughs> 1988 to 1991. And then she did a few episodes of Degrassi The Next Generation. And then her only other credits uh, here are. For um, the original and Redux versions of Bad Girls, Star Star Trek, no. Star Trek did a bad, bad thing when they came up with a fr- next generation, generation didn't yes. they? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh... <laughs> and I was and uh, right before the recording session, I typed in. Um, I was looking up. Kathy Keenan, and it turned, and I found her website where she does a holistic uh, mindfulness practice. Well, at least it's not acting. <laughs> it's like okay, but there I, you go. Uh, you know, I I get that that it's when you're given material that I'll call it awful uh, dialogue and lines and and ways you're supposed to act. I get it's probably hard to do it. <laughs> It's probably not easy to to look at those lines and go, "What is my motive?" You know, I, I maybe that's the problem with Tanya Allen as well. You know, the what she says as response to stimuli makes no sense. Therefore, I can see how you might not know how to play that line, and I might I could see how the director might go, "Hell if I know." Play it however you want. I don't get it either. I, I can I can maybe get that. So. But it's just well, the. I guess the point of that story was to to bring to a head Dante's dilemma with Percy. Would, would does that seem like that might be what was behind that plot thread? Uh, no. What, what what was it for? It goes to the Kill last. Time? It goes to the last. Goes toward the tail end of the episode. Um, where Dante tells Lucretia that the orchard isn't done with him yet. And that sets up the season finale. 
why is it that they're too annoying, irritating, spoiled, druggy, get Percy even worse than she already was? How, how is us having to watch them? What did that do for me in this episode except annoy me? I mean, that, that is where I'm getting at here. That seems like if, you know, if that lays out the groundwork for something further down on the line, then I can already see I'm not going to like what comes down the line. Um, and, and that's, you know, it, it felt like that they're supposed to, because we have that little scene. It's kind of an, it's, it would have been a kind of nice little scene where Dante finally just sits in the chair and he says to Lucretia, what am I going to do about Percy? I mean, I'm like a father to her. And and then Lucretia and then Lucretia lies to him and says, "You've done a good job." Okay? I think there's a lot of people that would argue with that. But 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 you've got to, you know, she's a she's an a, adult now and you know, she's going to go someday and you want that to be on on the good terms. It 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 has the germ of being a good scene because that is the one thing in this episode that got me thinking. We might as well, might as well go there now. What can Percy do about, or what can Dante do about Percy? She is the ship's engineer. He is the captain of the ship. He says, take out the machine gun emplacement, and she doesn't take out the machine gun emplacement. He says, go to section 47 and stow it this thing down before we all die, and she decides to do something else. Go do this, and she doesn't. Help with that. No. Uh, we're, we're all going to die if you don't do something, Percy. Eh, no, whatever. Like, it, it's not like I can recommend, and I don't recommend, but, you know, beating her, uh, throwing her off the ship, and I mean, like, into space. Um, but she is an active nuisance. She is an active danger to that crew. She does not follow orders. She does not do her job which is to follow the orders of the captain of the ship when it comes to engineering and construction. She is absolutely would be fired a thousand times over if she were anybody but Dante's niece, okay? Which is why you don't hire your niece for a job. But what actually can he do about her That in, in this environment? What could he do? To try, I mean, what we will never know what he did wrong to get her like this in the first place, despite Lucretia's apparently blind understanding of what humans are supposed to be like. Um, but what could he do at this point? I mean, I finally figured out what he what he absolutely, positively needs to do. It's the only it's the only course of action open to him. But I, I mean, what 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 do you think that? he should do not not based on what future episodes are going to be or the fact that percy's the only character that carries on to the next season or anything like that but i mean in this situation this kind of behavior from your engineer what do you do with them that's a tough person yeah it is it is a tough call it's and it's the one i really can't answer in the way you want me to because i can't separate i can't unknow what i know but we're, I'm talking about if this were a real person, a real not, person not a TV series. A real person, I'd find a new engineer. Even even if you were, you know, it was your family and you were taking care of them and you'd been very protective. I mean, I get that. Dante is overly protective of Percy because he lost his son and he lost his 
sister or whatever, Percy's, I guess, brother. Uh, and so he took her in and he raised her. I get that. I have a daughter who is an adult now. I I get the, you know, you want to protect them. But I, I genuinely think that the best thing that could possibly be done for Percy would be the next time you get to Mars is to hand her some cash and say, Percy, time for you to live your own life. I love you, but this is not good for you. There is a Go. there is a, there is a university on this planet, you know. Well, I, whether she can get into it or not is another story. I mean, I don't know what the university system is. If it's as screwed up as ours, then Dante could never afford it, right? But um, you know, m- make it. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to deal with life on your own, and you can see how far you're actually gonna get with the attitude you've got. That's it's, it's, tough love. It's the only thing I can think of. You know, I don't mean throw her in jail or anything, but. I I cannot think of any other viable course of action for the safety of the ship, for Percy's development, which is never going to change, for Dante's sanity, which I question whether he has any left. I, I, I mean, I've joked about kicking her off, but, but the reality is she's an adult. She's not doing the job. You're fired. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying just, you know, if Dante even has any money to, to give her to get a little start going or whether she has any money from being the ship's engineer or whether she spent it all on Billy Toonami CDs. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anything else that, that is the, the only logical course of action that I can come up with. And the fact that they don't do it means that we will forever be, as long as Dante is around, putting up with him being unable to do anything about her. When, when she gets to the point where she's installing guns that nearly killed him on the ship and he still doesn't take any action, then what what is it going to take before he just says, time for us to go our separate ways? I mean, I know that's not how his show plays out. Even I know that much about the show. But trying to look at it from the standpoint of, you know, how do you, how do you look at a character in their current, in their current circumstances not not with the curveballs the writers or, or the producers or the whatever are going to throw at you along the line what what is the logical that's one of those ones that i think you know it's like um one of my the things that has always bothered me about new who is and i you know it, it it's also been kind of true with old who but it's more so with new who uh you know these companions pretty much are not going to leave you know rose would never have gone anywhere ever short of dying or short of being trapped in a parallel universe and uh you know just the same as donna they'd have, they'd have gone on forever so they have to contrive their way out of them because if you look at if you look at the dynamic that's going on you go yeah why would you leave that why would you ever go and this is the reverse it's like why would you keep putting up with it why why do you keep risking your life needless and her life it's not like it's not like what percy does wrong will just kill dante it will kill percy too so you know knowing that somebody's contract is eventually going to run out and they're going to leave doctor who is not <laughs> let's not answer the question of what what would actually be the trajectory of this character if it weren't driven by television as opposed to uh, you know if it was driven by the characters and the and the, the and that's what i I see here with Percy is that that's that's our big problem. Percy can never be fixed without being kicked off the ship. 
or Dante, well, like I said, what what can he do? He can't do anything as long as he doesn't give her any consequences. And he's not in a position to give her much in the way of consequences. So it's definitely a a, uh, a thing that is, well, obviously going to continue to bother me for at least four more episodes, I think. Um, three. <laughs> three. Three. Three more episodes. Well, that's something. <laughs> 25% better. No, 33% better than I originally thought. Um, no, is it 25% better? Let's see. No, I'm not going to do that. not going to do that. not going to work the math. Um, all right. What else have we got going on here in this episode? Oh, uh, Orchard. Uh, good stories based on good villains. Here is my question. So the Orchard decides to kill them all, right? I mean, yeah. literally that's what they said. We're gonna, we're gonna kill Lucretia, we're gonna kill Dante, we're gonna kill Percy, we're gonna kill Hamilton, we're gonna kill his two daughters, uh, and even the marshal if they thought he was alive. They're gonna kill everyone on board that ship. Why didn't they just blow it up? They have the ship to do it. They have the vessels to do it. We've seen yeah. the ships, and the shuttle must have come from somewhere. So why didn't they just blow it up? Ah, I have the answer. Because they're gonna need it in the next episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, they think something's hidden on board. They have the because they're looking. It, it's in the it's in answers in this episode. Actually, I don't have to spoil another episode. I just talk about this one. Um, they are talking. Is there is this issue of those seeds which are on the ship in the kaleidoscope? Yes, per and sea. if yes, the yes. orchard blows up the ship, they blow up the seeds. But does the orchard know that they have the seeds? If they knew they had they, the seeds, the, surely they would have taken the ship a long time ago. ago. I mean, point, you know. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you're right. They, they do have the seeds, and it is on there, and that's a thing that we know that the orchard wants. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that. I just, it is seems kind of, yeah. I mean, looking at it from their perspective, they don't know that, and they, I think it would be probably easier to explain a blown up ship than it would be some bullet ridden, cor- riddled corpses. I don't know, but it just, uh, it's like, okay, I, I, I guess we just, we need this to have a second wave so that PIDs can actually take some people out, is what I felt like. And, you know, why not just next, uh, I mean, we can see from the trailers, so that's not, in a way, it's not spoilers, we can see from the trailer that they're going to try to capture the ship and they're going to uh, go after them again. Once again, why not just come in and kill them all next time? It, it just. Well, to answer like that question, I'll just say um, watch the watch the episode, and you'll get your answer on it. And actually, there is a good reason that they don't, um, because um, they uh, orchard. Keep in mind, well, one. I don't know. This is like the faction of the orchard that sent those troops in this episode uh, must be a distinct hostile faction of the orchard from the one in the next one because they're just absolutely moving across purposes and it is there is a certain logic in keeping um, at least uh, Dante around from the point of view of a certain faction inside the orchard was was that was that properly vague I I mean I I there are references to that different factions within the orchard i think even in this episode he says there are different factions in the orchard or lucretia says it. i forget who who made the comment uh about it i wonder if that was a a good idea um so 
what we have seen happening in the past, and so therefore I'm not going to, you know, your comment about the next faction is going to be doing something completely at cross-purposes. We have already seen factions of the Orchard do things at cross-purposes to one another in the past. So this is not a new, this is not a new scenario. And I wonder if it really was the best idea to make it the Orchard and make them factions of the Orchard instead of making them the Orchard and the Junkyard or whatever other name that they want to call another organization. So in other words, two distinct organizations that are on the same track that have different ways of going it. Because what you run the risk of is that if you don't overly explain the factions time and time again, you would be forgiven to watch an episode, oh, what's the Orchard going to do today? Ah, something completely different than they did last week. Well, they aren't very good, are they? Right? So if if Gunner Biochemical had been the other organization and the Orchard had been the or- organization, then you could see how they might have cross-purposes. Or, or even, uh, not the Rangers, the Raiders, um, by having them out there. By then giving them an incestuous relationship with the Orchard, it just... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to pull off the intrigue. You know, I mean, the, you you continually mention the character of Paquette. I make fun of the character of Paquette because of her name. But the fact is, she's been in an episode? She was in, she was the first one. And then there have yeah. been name drops along the way. Yeah. So it, it is not like we are really exposed to these goings on throughout the course of this, of the show. So it you know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't give us a familiarity with the villains and their actions to get a feel for what's going on and the mysterious black box that does different things on different days is you know not what a black box is supposed to do. <laughs> what else you got? Let's see. I'm checking my notes. Um, there was a reference to family values. Don't know if you noticed it. Uh, well, since I can't remember which one family values that is. That was know, with the would... Raiders on Mars. And okay. The, the boy Dante thought thought was his, was yeah. his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, Percy told Ayla and Cordula that they that the um, crew of the Transutopian quote kicked Raider ass on Mars once unquote. Mm. It's a little drop there. We do get, get the seeds are from goodbye so long. It um, a little piece of internal universe trivia that the uh, Umbria colony was the first attempt to colonize the moons of Jupiter. I um, not sure. Obviously, the moon was not Umbria because that's a uh, moon of uh, another one of the outer worlds. Um, but maybe there was a separate colony. No, Umbriel is a moon of, of Uranus, uh, and uh, not Jupiter. So apparently, there was a because people could named named Jovian moon colonies after moons of other pla- of other planets. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> um, you know why not? I think um, I have, I think I have another reason for it. But yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, this um, 
I consider that this is one of the lesser episodes of the first season. Um, I pay attention to it uh, mainly for the um, setup for the three-part finale. And the amazing drug-tripping scene where Percy sees a butterfly floating across mm-hmm. someone's butt. <laughs> I... I <laughs> that whole sequence was just painful to watch. The, that, that whole bit was just painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, and um, I did look up um, Kathy and uh, Anna Keenan, and because I was looking for trying to, I was trying to find out whether you know how old they're supposed to be, mm. and I wasn't at all certain. How old the actresses were is um there are no birth dates right on the IMDb page, but I'm guessing they were probably closer to Tanya Allen's age at the time, which was around 25. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't hire kids. I I don't know. I mean Tanya Allen's character is now supposed to be an adult, so 18 years uh, old. Yeah, so you know I I guess those girls were probably in that range. I want to come back for a second about that colony yeah. comment. Does that seem consistent with the way this solar system is? Does Hamilton feel old enough to be part of a the very first colony anywhere? I mean, I, I get the impression that this has been going on 50, 100 years, at least. Probably close. When he said that, I'm just like, gosh, you know, I, I that's not my that's not the feel I get from this series. I, I would have said that you could pick any moon of anything in the solar system, you know, and go, well, how long has it been since man set foot on it and started trying to colonize it? And you go at least 50 years. That would be my guess. Just by the way they take it for granted and the way that they they operate. But obviously it could have been. How old would we say Hamilton is? Forty. Well, it has nothing. Has nothing to do with age. It has to do with um, that some colonies are more advanced than others. It's like if you pick in, it's like um, how many um, states in the U.S. do we like to make fun of if we if we don't live in them? <laughs> Forty-nine. Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, what, I mean, fifty. I mean, I mean, you know what? It, 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 I live in the um, in the south, and um, around here we have a saying: "Thank God for Mississippi." <laughs> Doesn't everyone have that? No, and, uh, <laughs> and it's because it means it means we're not last. Well, we're not last in the, yeah. in the good things and first in the bad things. And it's yeah, yeah. No, I. I Yes, we we actually use that phrase here. Oh, <laughs> in Arizona, <laughs> well, because you know we're down on the list too in a lot of things like education and spending and you know stuff like right. that. So you, literacy and whatnot. So um, you, you you have to look at Mississippi and go. Well, there you go, <laughs> or Alabama, one of the two, Mississippi yeah. or Alabama. Those Mississippi are the, and those Alabama. Are the yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 it also he said. Which planet? He said Jupiter, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, even though it's not necessarily a moon of Jupiter. But he, he said Jupiter, and that one, considering it's big enough to have its own federation, it just, I, I don't know. It just seemed like, it, it seemed like they were... 
I, I took it as a reference that this colony was apparently fairly rustic, to use a polite term. Mm. That's um, what that goes through my notes. Yeah, I don't have anything else on it. Oh, I do have one other note. Okay. Didn't didn't we have a scene in Supermax that implied that if Dante was going to leave the Supermax Corp, that he was going to have to get himself an actual bounty hunter's license to continue on? Yes, was, there was one. Okay, but in this one, he says to the guy, if I turn him over to you and you don't have a warrant, I could lose my bounty hunter's license. Like he has one. And well, he, he had one in the, in the previous two episodes, too. See? So, okay, it's just... Well, of course, at the end, also, but at the end of Supermax, uh, Max was in a cell. And the Supermax Corporation was um, headed toward bankruptcy court. Yeah, but I don't think that would have anything to do with Dante having a license. And we don't know in-universe how much time passed uh, between Supermax and a, tw- and a twist in time. In fact, Saying I, that Dante might have decided to get legal? One of my questions about some of these episodes is how much time in-universe has passed between one episode and another. Apparently not long enough for Dante to strangle Percy, <laughs> so it couldn't be. <laughs> well, if it were on my time scale, that'd be a different story, but yeah. I mean, we already know that um, from, from dialogue in some episodes that there have been, bunt, there have been bounty hunting missions we have not, not seen yeah. on screen within the time frame of this season. You know, considering how long it takes them to travel from point to point, it makes sense that we don't see it all and and don't want to see all of it because probably 99% of bounty hunting jobs uh, are not uh, worthy of recording, despite what maybe reality TV wants to tell us. But yeah. All right. In that case, what is the next... When we return for Star Hunter Redux, what are we likely to see in the next episode in terms of its name the name of the next episode of star hunter redux is bad seed bad seed it is still to be determined whether we're going to be doing that as part of a two-parter or whether we're going to be doing it by itself or three-parter so, yeah i guess or three bad, bad, bad seed, seed will definitely is be the first part of the three-part season one finale all right so it'll be bad seed or it'll be bad seed Plus, either way, I thank you for joining me, Ken. My pleasure. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on Fusion Patrol, we're going to be looking at the classic 1953 BBC serial, The Quatermass Experiment. When we discuss where Reginald Tate comes in the great ranking of all the Quatermasses, 
what the Quatermass experiment owes to Frankenstein and the brilliant way in which Rudolf Cartier transcends the limitations of early television as well as the tragedy of its ephemeral nature that has deprived us of part of this story. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.